everyone. Welcome back to the Online Warriors podcast. This is Nerd Bomber here. Unfortunately, we don't have a legal with us this week because we had to pre-record the episode due to the American holiday of July 4th. America. But I am here with Tactic. Hello, hello. How's it going, Tactic? It's good. I'm quite excited for the show we have today. We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, what we expect to see from Harley Quinn in the new Suicide Squad Birds of Prey coming out. We're going to do our little review on Toy Story 4. And we're going to talk about the super-duper expensive VR headset and why you may or may not be excited about it. I'm super pumped for this episode. Sounds like a lot of good stuff coming up. Yeah, we're going to try to keep it short and sweet so you guys can get back to the 4th of July holiday, though. So, Well, those of you in the United States. Before we jump in, just want to talk about the 4th of July a little bit. What are your plans for this little break? I know both of us have a little bit of time off from work and the podcast since we're pre-recording. So what do you plan to do with your extra time? So me personally, I always tried to break up my family trips to twice a year. And 4th of July is where it falls on because we always like to drive and have a nice little road trip. And in the summertime is the best time to have road trips because no one likes driving in the snow. So we're go- I'm going to be going to see the Mama and Papa Tech Tick and uh, see what's up with them for a little bit. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, you're going to be coming. I know. <laughs> I personally am looking forward to really getting caught up on some of my reading because on this road trip, I usually have a good like eight to 10 hours where I'm doing absolutely nothing but watching the foliage go by. So I'm bringing uh, books two and three of the Tierling series with me and I'm super pumped to really dig into those. Yeah, while she reads, I generally practice on my lesser used vocabulary words with the other drivers. It's a good time. So with that, we are going to get into our first topic, what we expect to see from Harley Quinn. Now, specifically what I'd like to talk about is they've kind of 86-year-old outfit and made her, I guess, a little less scandalous, but still kind of scandalous. Um, and, And what I mean by that is they gave her these weird gold overalls with the standard Joker cross diamond pattern. Which, I guess it kind of looks more similar to Harley Quinn's traditional outfit, but still way off bed. I don't know. How do you feel about that? The gold overalls really threw me off a little bit. I I guess I'm not too big of a Harley Quinn comic reader. I mean, the only things that I really know her from in terms of the comics is Batman. But I've never seen this outfit, outfit before. But it very well could be from the Birds of Prey series. I'm just not that familiar with it. It was definitely an interesting take, though. It's It's very flashy shall we say i just want to see the uh the red and black traditional with the two pink taily thingies yeah the traditional like clown looking outfit but i i guess i just don't know if that fits margot robbie that well as an actress maybe that's not the style of um it's not the style of harley quinn that she usually goes for um but i guess we'll see We'll see how that pans out. When does Do you know offhand when the movie is slated to come out? It's not for a little bit now, right? No, I believe it's April of next year. Okay, so I'm sure in the next year or so, we'll see a little bit more information come out. We'll probably see more images and see how that outfit really fits in. For all we know, th- that could even be like a bit piece of the entire movie. That might not even be the full movie outfit, correct? Yeah, they might be just trying to go, hey, look at me. This is kind of scandalous, but kind of not. Why don't you come see and find out? Who knows? I mean, the first Suicide Squad did eh, okay, and maybe they're just trying to get some interest gauge now by, you know, flashing some gold 
diamonds. See what happens. As long as there's no Jared Leto, I was not a huge fan of his Joker interpretation. So as long as there's no Jared Leto, I'm pretty happy. Agreed. Totally. So with that, we're going to go and move on to a super exciting topic. Um, Nerd Bomber and I recently saw Toy Story 4. And by gosh, by God, by golly, was it good. So, I don't know. Do you really want to go into spoilers here, Tactic? We can kind of warn people off of spoilers. We can say spoiler a couple more times to really deter those who haven't seen it yet. Okay, so that is official. We will be talking about details and spoilers of Toy Story 4. So, if you have not seen the movie, please uh, mute the podcast or just fast forward to a different segment of the podcast where you won't be listening to Toy Story 4 spoilers. We'll put the timestamp down in the uh, description to as to when it ends. So no worries, you'll be able to find that information. Um, but first, I want to touch on something that Illegal had mentioned in his blog, and that's they had no little Pixar animations in the beginning. That was really strange to me because I feel like every Disney Pixar movie usually starts off with that short in the beginning of the movie. And... In a way, it was kind of nice to get down to it, but I feel like they just replaced it with more trailers before the movie started. Like the trailer segment, at least in the theater that we went to see the movie in, felt extraordinarily long to me. So it almost feels like I got cheated because my time was still spent watching something. It just wasn't a cool animated short. Well, and stick tuned for the end of the movie, folks, because instead of having the Pixar animation in the front, they did have a lot of little fun scenes at the end after the movie and while the credits were rolling. That's true. I feel like they kind of had to, especially for this movie, because if if you haven't heard anything about the movie yet, it really does. I feel like it kind of caps off the entire Toy Story series. I don't know how they would be able to come back and create another sequel after this one. I feel like it really closed off the entire series. So I think those little shorts during the credits really helped to just drive home the fact that the series was over, gave you that last little look at the characters and what they were doing after uh, the movie ended and like what their future might look like. So to get a little bit more into it, basically the plot was there's this girl, Bonnie, that's that's uh, Woody and Buzz's new owner um, for this one. And we saw that in Toy Story 3. That was where the transition occurred. Um, and they're going on a road trip and she creates this new friend, Forky, lovable guy, probably my favorite character in the series. Um and he gets lost because he was obsessed with trash. And he really, really wants to be reunited with trash because he doesn't understand the value of being a toy and being um, loyal to your owner. So Woody goes and teaches him. And while he's out on this adventure to recover Forky, he comes across a number of people, meets some old friends. He runs into Bo Peep from Toy Story 2, I believe, is when she disappeared. And they end up reconnecting. Now, what's interesting about that is... The story progresses, and ultimately, Forky gets reunited with Bonnie. However, in the end, Woody came across a spork in the road. See what I did there? Oh, that was pretty clever. I yeah. like that. Um, and that was go back with Bonnie, who he wasn't really his favorite toy anymore. Um, he felt that he might have better purpose with Bo Peep. And ultimately, Buzz looked at him and said, hey, man, you got to do what you got to do. This is... This is your path. So he left the squad to go with Bo Peep and, and be on his own adventure, which 
absolutely groundbreaking in my opinion and that's what really excited me because in every single movie you always kind of know well buzz and woody are always going to be together they're always going to be with whatever owner they are and they're just going to move on to the next kid but this just changed the whole series in my opinion and really kept you not sure how it was going to end until the end so i guess i so i want to start this off by saying that i really liked the movie I, there's not really a Pixar movie that I have seen that I dislike, and Toy Story 4 is not the exception. I enjoyed the movie the entire way through. I thought there were a ton of great adult comedic beats that didn't, um, they weren't raunchy, but they were enough where the adults got it and the kids didn't really understand the context but could still laugh along. There was a lot of those moments, but ultimately... I wasn't sure that it really felt true to Woody's character. And this is kind of the interesting um, thing about watching a movie. Like, everyone has a different viewpoint and perspective on what happens. So a lot of people I know felt that this really gave Woody a good sense of closure. It really felt true to his character that he was just holding on to the past and needed to move on. I know um, me and Illegal had that conversation where he felt it was really good, like showed that Woody was finally able to move forward into the future and do something else with his life. I personally almost felt like that didn't fit Woody's character because if we revisit Toy Story 2, a lot of the point of that movie was um, how the toys in um, the the collector's shop felt kind of lost without having a kid. And ultimately, they had to make the decision between whether it was better to say stay safe with the collector who would keep them in pristine condition or go back to a a kid where they would get roughly used and played with. But ultimately Woody showed like Jesse and Bullseye that to be with a kid is the toy's greatest purpose and to give a kid love and to like basically be with them throughout their life is one of the greatest things that a toy can do with their life. And they definitely touched on that in various points throughout the movie, but that just I didn't really understand then how you can go from that theme to Woody leaving with Bo Peep to be quote unquote lost toys and not having a kid. So, but that's the thing that Bo Peep showed him. She showed him that a lost toy isn't necessarily a toy without a kid, right? They always had the school buses come in. They showed that the carnival was a way for toys to be reunited with kids and that they were going to go with the carnival to see what might come across them and that could very well be a kid and that's what i believe bo peep was showing him that bonnie is not the kid that there's a a world full of kids but at the same time one of the things that woody has felt fulfillment from is basically helping that kid through all of the different milestones and growing up in life and yeah it's sad like when Andy went to college it was very difficult for him and the rest of the toys to adjust to having to find a new kid and leaving that kid behind but I just I I have a hard time believing that he would feel fulfilled and I know this is an animated character but just from the three movies that we've already seen I have a hard time believing that he would be fulfilled not having a specific kid, not being able to experience those moments and help a specific kid on and on and on. And even the the fact, like the Gabby Gabby uh, components where she was like, I just want to feel um, the love of a kid to experience those milestones. And Woody was able to sacrifice his voice box for her so that she would be able to find a kid of her own. Like, I, I just don't know if he will feel feel fulfilled very long. And I don't understand why Bo Peep just couldn't go with B- 
body. So I think Bo Peep kind of filled into this new lifestyle. I think she felt betrayed by her original kid, and, and, and I felt that she couldn't just go back to be with one kid. I don't think she was a one-kid kind of gal anymore. She liked, you know, the opportunity to get new kids all the time, and I think that's what I was saying when I meant what she opened Woody's eyes to. The other thing, the other thing is, have you seen Bo Peep? Woody's got a thing for her. That is true. I mean, it is, honestly, in Toy Story 3, I totally forgot that she wasn't in it. I forgot that she was sold at a yard sale, or at least that's what they had said in Toy Story 3 to explain why she wasn't there. Um, but I had totally forgotten that she wasn't even in that movie. So in a way, like, it, it, I guess maybe that does come down to like work versus personal life. Because at the end of the day, being a toy for a kid is almost like a toy's job. And Woody eventually had to put that aside to realize like his love for Bo Peep was one of the more important things in his life. And he needed to focus on that for a change. And the other thing that I want to mention about uh, this movie is, and I'm, I'm going to get on the hype train, folks, but come on, Keanu. Yeah, Duke Kaboom was probably one of the more entertaining characters that we've seen in Toy Story. And honestly, there were a lot of really good characters introduced in this entry. You've already mentioned Forky. He was super lovable and fun. Duke Kaboom was a great character. It's just Keanu Reeves is killing it this year, man. And then... Um, 2019 is definitely the year of, of Keanu. Oh, yeah. And Ducky and Bunny, I thought were hilarious. Key and Peele, I, I thought they made great additions. They didn't seem to have as big of a part in the movie as the trailers kind of made them seem, but I thought it was hilarious. And even, honestly, going back to some of the classic characters, Buzz Lightyear, I thought, had a really good story arc where he, instead of like having to listen to Woody all the time for guidance, he finally learned to listen to his own inner monologue, quote-unquote, which I thought that the way they did that was phenomenal. For those of you who don't know, his inner voice was when he pushed his button, the the recorded voice that plays. So throughout the movie, he would just press it and say some line from a mission complete type standpoint. And he would go, yep, that's, that's what we got to do here. I thought overall they did that very well. I mean, as usual, in terms of just storytelling and even the jokes, the entire movie was just really well done. So all in all... What would you give the rating for Toy Story 4? Me, personally, I would give it an 8 out of 10, for sure. Yeah, I would say definitely an 8 out of 10 as well. I think it was definitely up there in terms of movies that I love, and I think it really continued the Toy Story franchise in a respectable way. Um, but it, it's hard to give it anything a 10 these days because Pixar has really pumped out some like gut punches like movies that have literally made me cry, which Toy Story 3 was probably one of them. Toy Story 4 did have an emotional punch here and there, but it wasn't as impactful. But I think in a way it made up for it in being more fun. I can, I, yeah, I can agree with that. And and that's kind of where I'm at and why I gave it an 8 out of 10 as opposed to a 10 out of 10. Mm -hmm. I dare I say I might give it a 9, but I, I'm going to reserve that for the next Pixar original content. Do you think that this will be the last Toy Story entry? I can't see Buzz without Woody. And I, and I have a hard time, you know, having them put together some kind of coincidental thing that reunites them in the next one. Yeah. And even like I was trying to think 
if they would be okay as like a standalone movie, like if Buzz had his own adventures with the old gang from Andy's Toy Box. But honestly, and I've never realized this before, but Woody was really the star of all of the movies. Like they've made it kind of out to be that Buzz and Woody were both kind of co-stars. But at the end of the day, Woody was 100% the leader. You know what I could see happening is when they're on their adventures, they run into Andy's family. That would actually be a really interesting movie. And the kid's favorite toy, get this, Zorg. That would actually be a really interesting take because he was the enemy in two. I don't, I don't remember if Zorg was in three, but he was the, one of the major enemies in two. So that would be really interesting just to see that different perspective of what happens if a kid really loves like the quote unquote bad guy toy. Dun, dun, dun. Very interesting. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out. If you have, check it out again or let us know what you think. If you agree or disagree with our rating, um, overall, I don't see how you would disagree with 8 out of 10. Come on, guys. It was a good movie. So on to our next topic, which is the Valve Index VR, which is actually touted to be the most expensive VR headset setup that you can get. Do you know offhand how much the the retail price was supposed to be for this one? I want to say it was like upwards of 900, right? If you get all the gizmos, gadgets and doodads involved, it's it's 9.99. That is a huge chunk of change. Now, the reason why there's that price tag, it is because it is touted as the best VR quality experience. The drawback with it is it is the most difficult VR experience to set up. There's a lot, it being so new and so individually fine-tuned to each user. The calibration phase is super in-depth. The setting up of all of the sensors is super in-depth. All of the software kind of has some issues and bugs that are still kind of being worked out through updates. Now, the question is, if you are a tinker, tinkerer and are really into this stuff, do you invest the $9.99 to be on the forefront of VR technology and really, you know, struggle through these issues? Or do you do what I'm planning to do and that's say, hey, this is setting the bar what VR technology should be. That means other companies can very easily undercut them and provide potentially the same level of quality thoughts. So for me, I'm kind of in the the same camp as you. The way that technology always works is that a new technology that's super groundbreaking debuts at like this huge price. I mean, even think about HDTVs. Don't even think about 4K. Like regular HDTV flat screen TVs were crazy expensive. A 32 inch TV was insane. Like it was way more expensive than a 60 inch regular projector TV. And now you can pick up a 32-inch TV for like 100 bucks. I think that VR will eventually come down in price, especially as it becomes more widespread. So I'm in the, the wait and see camp. But I do think, and I just want to make clear for the listeners that all of the feedback and stuff that we know about this headset is all stuff that we've read online. Like we do not have this headset. Um, but one of the things that I did find really interesting was the way that they marketed everything. Um, you could pretty much piecemeal the the set together if you really wanted to and if you had any older uh valve vr components you could upgrade certain aspects so like you could buy the headset by yourself by itself 
you could also buy the controllers by themselves. And the controllers was the one thing that I was reading about that I felt really intrigued by because... I think they're truly... That is the thing that's really going to be groundbreaking as far as VR interfaces. Right, because the headset... Um, they improved like the field of view and the headset and made it feel a lot more immersive and like the sound quality is supposed to be great but what they did differently with the knuckles which is what they called their new handheld controllers is now they're attached to your hands by a strap so we have the PSVR and the way that you interact with the controller is it's literally almost like a Wii nunchuck. You, you have the, the strap around your wrist, but you have to hold it. If you let go of your grip, the remote is going to fall out of your hand. So with this new strap, you can actually completely let go of the controller, like loosen your grip and everything, and it'll still hang onto your hand. Like you can still motion around and wave around. And this really allows you, there's even pressure sensors, so it can actually tell then when you're gripping an object in the game that, like, you're gripping, you're not always gripping this controller. It, it basically adds a different dimension of controllability to VR experiences. And I think that's truly groundbreaking. I think that's the thing that really drives the immersivity to it, because when I'm picking something up, you know, normally I'm not pulling a trigger with my uh, pointer finger. I'm grasping and and to be able to grasp and let go and grasp and let go for whatever you're picking up or touching or whatever, that, that blows my mind. To, to me, it's, it's almost one of those things with why haven't they done it sooner? Because it seems so intuitive. Like, yeah, if you want to grab something, that should be the control. Right. It's almost like how I used to envision VR before they became so pretty much home friendly is that you would have a glove. And that it would be able to detect each finger's movement so that eventually in the VR world that you were in, you would be able to pick things up and basically just work your hands like you normally would in the real world. But just instead, you would be interacting with virtual things. And like you said, I think the closer that we get to that kind of control system, the more immersive VR is going to become. Because honestly, like you said, I'm playing super hot and I have to reload, so I'm pressing a button and... I know in my head, like, okay, I have to press this button on the controller. It's not just this intuitive, like, reload motion. And the more we can get to just forgetting that we're in a headset, forgetting that we're holding controllers, you'll be able to really just sink into whatever VR experience that you're in. I'm most excited for the moment where I can do the uh, the Game of Thrones head squish in VR. That's That's kind of the moment where we've made it in life. That's pretty terrifying. Although, so have you ever truly forgotten yourself in a VR game so far? Only with ones where you're kind of like a passive observer, where there's not as much, kind of like the roller coaster type games, where there's not as much interaction and things like that. And there's a lot of just movement where you don't have time to think about, oh, okay, this isn't reality mm-hmm. for me. But anything like like super hot, like you had stated, you know, that's very, very obvious that you're not, I mean, uh, graphics aside, right, that you're that you're not in, in the immersive environment that you're supposed to be in, quote unquote. Right. So, again, really excited for this new grip style, and hopefully it moves to the point where I can squish someone's head, just like the mountain in Game of Thrones. It's my, that's my favorite way to attack things lately. Um, don't worry, I don't do that to people on the street randomly. Um, but... 
But thank you, Val, for kind of setting the bar and, and maybe even refreshing what we know to be the correct approach to VR technology. I mean, and I really do hope that it does come down in price because at least for the average consumer, if, if that's not your, your passion, you have to also have a computer that can run the Valve VR or yeah, the Valve VR headset at its high capability because I think the graphics that it's capable of producing in the headset is incredible um, from the specs that I've seen. But you also have to have a computer that has the processing power and the graphics card to produce those specs also. So if you want this thing to run flawlessly, you're looking at more than just a $1,000 headset. You're looking at a really beefy two grand plus PC to run it. And I just don't think that's in the reach of the everyday consumer, especially if you don't know if you're going to like VR. Um, If you are thinking of getting this headset, I would say um, definitely test out VR because I have had friends and there are some experiences that even get me that have super invested in like the PSVR and then they find out that they're motion sick and they get really sick from it. And luckily with the smaller headsets and the systems that we have currently, you're only out like $300. It's not the end of the world. But I would probably die if I had spent $3,000 to get this incredible VR experience and never be able to use it. That would just eat me up inside. Yeah. So moral of the story is let's be excited for the new way that VR is heading, but definitely try out a set before you jump into the steep price point of, you know, 3000-ish dollars depending on what you're looking for and what components you mix up together in your PC. That said, that kind of wrapped up our news and I know this is a little bit of a shorter episode kind of for everybody, but I just want to get back into the what are you up to Wednesday? Don't want to leave that behind. Um so what have you been up to in the last week tactic? Any good projects, games? So the biggest thing was obviously Toy Story 4, but we've already talked about that. Um, other than that, what kind of games I've been playing, I have been working on a little bit more on this, on Sonic Heroes, but not Sonic Heroes. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the, on the game. It's, it's the Sonic game where you... Sonic Forces? Sonic Forces, thank you. It's a Sonic game where you create your own character, and the character options are kind of limited, but the nostalgia factor, you go into kind of the different play styles of really all of the different Sonics that you've played. There's the the side scroller, but there's also the first person shooter type view and it and it immerses you in really all the nostalgia factors that you've played through the history of the games, which it's one of those games that, and, I've, and I believe I've mentioned it on a previous episode, it's one of those games that you can just keep, pick up and just kind of keep playing. So that's what I've been doing as the weather's been rainy here. I personally, um, I actually dived back into Black Ops 4 for a little bit. Um, I was actually waiting for another game to install. Zombies. Yes, exactly. I was waiting on my Xbox One to install a game, and so I didn't want to bog the system down, and I switched over to our PlayStation, and one of the games that I had already downloaded without needing an update was Black Ops 4. And so Tactic and I were actually playing uh, zombies for a while. And it was the first time I'd actually tried zombies in Black Ops 4. Like we've played it before in other versions of Call of Duty, but this is the first time in Blops 4 that we actually tried it. And it was a lot of fun. We were a lot better than we thought we would be. And I actually really enjoyed the different uh, time settings. Like the, the one level, I think you were basically on a ship 
I, I don't know if it was exactly the Titanic, but it was on a ship similar to the Titanic. There was another level where you're basically in ancient Rome, uh, in basically one of the, the fighting rings in the Colosseum. That was pretty interesting. Words to the wise, though. Do not summon a champion. It won't help you. Yeah, the champion of Ra. So I mistakenly, I guess, assumed that it would be someone who could help us fight off the waves of zombies. But instead, it just triggered like 15 zombie tigers to come maul us to death. So we were doing really well until I summoned that champion. And that that was not so great. But the thing that I actually really liked about it, if you guys haven't played it by now, I know Black Ops 4 has been out for quite a while now at this point, but in previous Zombies games, you couldn't experience different areas of the map, really, unless you progressed through the entire story. So, like, you always started in the same place, and then you had to progress through and figure out, like, what you needed to do to move on to the next map. I really enjoyed that there were different, like you could select from the beginning what area you wanted to play in, what different map. So it kind of kept the game feeling fresh because I'm one of those people where, okay, I have to figure out, like I'm, I don't really invest that much time into zombies. I just want to pick up the game and play for a little bit and then put it away for like another six months. And in previous iterations of zombies, it felt like I don't know, you always spawned in the same map. I never got farther than like probably the second or third map. And um, it, it just eventually got boring and I didn't want to play it. Whereas this, it kind of felt fresh, something new every time. Agreed. So with that, I think we're going to wrap up. Unfortunately, no trivia this week. However, you can look forward to next week's episode, which will not be a truncated episode. We'll fill a full hour for you again and we'll have some kind of game show, although it will be just me and Tactic again because Illegal will be on vacation. So wish him a very happy vacation. Um, if you want to check out some Illegal content, he has actually posted a brand new secret segment for the month of june on our patreon is it a video vlog it is not a video vlog although he will be next up for that video vlog next month but um he has a whole new little bonus audio segment it's i think about 15 minutes long if you are a patron patron on our patreon of any level whether it's a page square or night you will get access to his awesome story of his run-in with the law dun 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 Uh, You can find that at www.patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. And as usual, if you've enjoyed listening to us today or any other day, please feel free to leave us a kind review or rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever service you're listening on. It really does make our day. We received a few good reviews in the last couple weeks, and it really does just make us feel great about what we're doing And as always, one last announcement, a huge shout out to our fantastic Patreon producer, Ben Chuckness. He has been phenomenal the last few months, and he helped us write that great pinball quiz show last week. Fantastic. You can be just like Ben if you want to subscribe at the night tier. He is a fantastic guy, and we appreciate him. With that said, have a great holiday if you're in the U.S. If you're not, have a great week, and we'll see you next week. See ya.